Hello, and welcome to On the Matter of Systems, uh, where every month myself, I am BW, and my co-host B. Hello, B. Hello, BW. I'm here. You are. Uh, each month, we critically engage with some tabletop RPG theory and then some tabletop RPG design. This is episode 6.2, and the point two tells you that we will be looking at some design today. Uh, so as a reminder, last time we took a look at a series of blog posts on the blog Simulacrum Exploring OSR Design by Keith Hahn. The blog posts were called A Historical Look at the OSR. And this time we will be discussing two things. We're going to be discussing Alone Among the Stars, which is a solo role-playing game by Takuma Okada. And we will also be talking about a collection of uh, small games called Duskval Interstitials, which is a collection put out by the designer Matthew R.F. Balashek. Um, so I guess I'll just go ahead and get get into it. Hell yeah. So we're going to cover both of these games for similar and different reasons. Um, <laughs> so uh, as a reminder to listeners, we've we've said this before, but in general, our, our basic idea here was you know, you you pick the theory, I pick the games, and we kind of don't really worry about interlinking them, right? The yep. the the goal of this, in some ways, is we're kind of going to see what comes up and where our brains naturally go uh, from sort of one episode to the next. And at various points, I've picked things that kind of react to the theory episode. I think I haven't explicitly done that in my memory, at least. Yeah, correct. Yeah, I don't think you have. And I've tried to keep even those things kind of light, right? Like the Avery Alder one was really obvious. Um, <laughs> but like, I didn't do the the obvious thing for us, which would have been probably to pick the quiet year and talk about the quiet year, um, yeah. a game we both love a lot. But uh, that needs to be saved for a special occasion, because I think that will be a long episode in which we both talk a lot. Oh, yeah. So this is probably the first time where I've kind of just, uh, I, I've almost, it's like the opposite of choosing choosing something that resonates with the theory. <laughs> and it wasn't really purposeful, but I was just kind of following my own stuff. So um, here are some of the reasons. So I was interested in a couple of things. One, I was interested in finding a game that one of us was like more familiar with. We've, we've both, we both ha- have at least been at least somewhat aware, I would say 50% of the time, uh, the sort of <laughs> systems that we're talking through. Yeah. Um, but you have played Alone Among the Stars multiple times. And so that seemed very appealing to me because you're much more familiar with it than I am. And I thought that would be interesting for conversations. And then I have been getting pretty into uh, like board games lately. I think I mentioned some something about this last episode. But um, I'm specifically very interested in solo board games for a bunch of reasons. Um and so I was interested in kind of, because I've been thinking about solo playing, um, but mostly in a board game thing, I was like, well, l- let's take a look at some solo RPG stuff. So again, Alone Among the Stars, you were very familiar with it, it's solo RPG. Mm-hmm. And then I really wanted to do kind of two things if we were going to do a solo RPG, um, because the thing I'm interested in is how, like, what are some different ways people approach solo play? So Duskfall Interstitials, also primarily sort of focused on solo play, but it's a pretty different set of things and a pretty different approach in terms of like how it, like what it generates and what it's trying to do. Um, but again, focused on solo play. Um, solitaire or solitaire, as it says in the in the book. <laughs> yes. Uh, so yeah, th- those are kind of my big reasons. It was it was really and truly this time was kind of just about the 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 games themselves and sort of some broad conceptual areas I was interested in. So should I should I introduce our our games? Yeah, um, 
yeah, I just, uh, yeah, I think I've played Alone Among the Stars probably a half dozen times-ish, um, and I have now, since you since you chose this, played a couple of the interstitials. So, nice. So uh, there's more previous play experience in this episode than any of the others, I think. Yeah, that seems <laughs> And right. all on my end. <laughs> Yeah, pretty much. Um, cool. Okay. Then uh, I'll start with uh, Duskfall Interstitials. So Duskfall Interstitials uh, is by, as I said earlier, Matthew R.F. Balashek. Uh, he's a game designer, new media artist. He lives outside of New York City. Um, he's currently teaching. And he he's done a lot of stuff. He's made a lot of really interesting games. He's done some sort of like uh, generative poetry uh, mm-hmm. stuff in the past. Um, I highly recommend his itch, actually, uh, just because there's a lot of really cool and weird stuff there. Um, I also will say uh, his pricing model is very fascinating. Um, (laughs) I don't have the itch up and I don't want to type right now, so I might get some of the details wrong. But it is essentially based on like word count or weight at times. So I think physical versions you are paying like based on, on weight, maybe, and digital versions you might be paying based on word count it's something along so, those lines yeah so prices d- just for interstitials uh web version free pdf version 0.0025 cents per word yes which makes it six dollars and 53 cents correct and the print version is priced at 40 cents per gram per so gram yes six, 15.60 just very it's just very delightful to me yeah. I, <laughs> I very happily sent him six dollars and 53 cents for the pdf even <laughs> though i have the physical version uh but yeah so uh what is duskfall interstitials so i think in my pitch last time i misspoke uh so my understanding was slightly wrong but basically this is a a small book and it is a group of small games um and the 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 wording that I think Matthew uses is their invitations to play. Uh, but the basic the basic premise is it's a group of small games prompted by specific real life situations that you, the player, might sort of end up in that then are like the trigger for, okay, now I can play one of these small games. And what the games do is give you guidance to sort of narrate information about your character that you are playing in a Blades in the Dark campaign. So, Duskval is the setting for Blades in the Dark, a tabletop RPG written by, um, oh my gosh, my brain just went blind. John Harper? Is John right? Harper. I knew John, and then uh, my brain could not pull Harper. Um, um, so, co-designer of uh, Agon. That uh, of Agon, exactly. Yeah. Um, and so in, in Blades in the Dark, you play as characters, right? And they're referred to as scoundrels. And so that's what this is. It's a, it's a group of small games. Um, they all have basically the same structure, which is what is the real life prompt, right? So what is the thing that sort of tells you, ah, this is one of the interstitial games, and then some guidance on the game. There's usually something around timing. Um, so finish this by X or stop doing this thing and then play the game. And then there's sort of the the prompt, which is like, here's the flavor and guidance of sort of what you're going to be thinking about or writing down about your scoundrel. And then most of the games, I think most, if not all, uh, he also provides some seed prompts. So like uh, roll a D6 and there's six options if you don't have your own idea. Um uh, I will say that uh, it's definitely not all because one of the games I played does not have this table. So yeah, that's I, I thought that it was not all. I think it's most though. Yeah, um, I think that's right. But yeah, so that's that's Dustfall Interstitials. The, the we'll talk a lot more about this, but that's the basic ideas. There are these sort of invitations to play that kind of feedback into your ongoing sort of 
uh, Blades in the Dark campaign, um, but it's not specific to Blades in the Dark. We can talk more about that. Um, you know, it's basically, uh, it is written for Duskfall, but uh, I believe a lot of it is written sort of broadly. Um, mm-hmm. But so that's that. And then the other thing we're going to talk about is Alone Among the Stars, uh, which is, as I said earlier, is by Takuma Okada, uh, a game de- designer and musician. Um, I knew them, know them from uh, both this, Alone Among the Stars, and some offshoots, but also Stew Pot, um, which yeah. I know I know from Friends at the Table, because they played that in a live. <laughs> um, and then after that, you and I uh, talked a lot about Stew Pot in prep for some Island Demeter stuff. Um, that has not happened and may never. Yeah. Um, that's fine. Yeah. Uh, not, not a lot of other information I could find super easily, um, about Okada, but No Road Home is their itch and Bandcamp. They also make music. Um, but Alone Among the Stars is a, uh, solo role-playing game about exploring fantastic planets. So... The basic structure is uh, you have a deck of cards and you're exploring the planets. Uh, For each planet that you sort of go to visit, you roll a six-sided die. You then draw a number of cards face down in front of you equal to whatever the dice roll was. And then for each card, you will roll a d6 to determine essentially how easy or hard the thing you discovered was to get to. And then you reveal each card, and the suit plus the rank will tell you what type of discovery and where you found it. Um, so uh, this is sort of a prompt-focused game, right? So you are rolling some die, and then you are drawing things, and then referencing prompts to sort of narrate you, how your exploration is going. Um, yeah. And I think that's kind of my like big high level summary for both of them. Uh, do you feel like I missed anything in terms of like, there's a lot to talk about, but like in right. terms of sort of ground laying. Um, I will, I'll just add on, on Takamo Okada that they, um, I th- I believe I, I looked this up recently and I'm pretty sure that my uh, memory was right, that they were one of the organizers of the sad mech jam. Um, I believe, yeah, I believe that is correct. That was uh, like a, a twenty what eighteen uh, jam on Itchio that had that ended up with like two hundred plus uh, small games. That is like um, I think a, a really sort of linchpin moment in what might what tends to get called lyric games or or like solo role playing games, small um, independent queer games. Like a, a lot of community showed up around that, um, and also. Um, one of the reasons I played Alone Among the Stars is because in my time just searching around Itch.io, I kept running into uh, hacks of Alone Among the Stars. Like, I would be like, this yeah. game seems cool. And I'd read it and be like, and it'd be like, this is a hack of Alone Among the Stars. And then I'd read two more games and read that another one. And it'd be like, well, this is also a hack of, and I saw that happen like maybe a dozen times, just like literally when I was just exploring for stuff. And I was like, I should probably play Alone Among the Stars if this many people are hacking it, huh? <laughs> um, yeah. And yeah, th- there's... Um, I believe if you go to the No Road Home itch, I think there's a link, there's a way to get from there to a collection of a ton of sort of 
reskins, rewrites, revamps, sort of inspired buys. Um, yeah, they have a couple like uh, like categories for hacks for yeah. alone at the table and together at the table. Um, right. But that is like a, a, a small <laughs> segment of, from what I remember of yeah of them. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I will. I will also say I, I did. I did. Pay, uh, pay some attention. Pay some attention to. That was a weird way of saying the thing I'm about to say. Uh, I did read a little bit and listen a little bit to a couple interviews, and I will just say there was something I found very heartwarming, which is uh, apparently one of the primary things that got um, Takuma Okada into game design was Friends of the Table, which is very relatable because uh, mm-hmm. I I was aware of and into this stuff, but Friends of the Table is absolutely the thing. Like that is the thing that helped me go like, oh, this is like very interesting, not just in like, uh, it's fun to, you know, shoot people with arrows or whatever way. Mm-hmm. <laughs> cool. Well, uh, why don't we start with sort of what we normally do after I have talked for a long time, which is I ask <laughs> you to talk and say, hey, B. Uh, so normally uh, I would just ask, what do, you, what do you think of the games? But I also thought it might be good to kind of just talk a little bit about like solo gaming um, generally. But basically, what what'd you think? Uh, what'd you think of these games? Yeah, um, I mean, so it turns out the answer uh, to both of those things is, is deeply intertwined. Um, I had played, um, and and you can literally fact check me on this by going to the Island Meter podcast feed. Um, I believe the first solo game I ever played was Mechs into Plowshares. Speaking of the sad Mech Jam. Um, for an Island Demeter episode. Um, and that game was interesting. It didn't really click with me. There were some things that I just simply did not understand in the rules. Um, and we ended up, I ended up playing it twice uh, for Island Demeter as I played Alone Among the Stars twice for Island Demeter season one. Um, so my first experience was sort of mixed. I was like, this is a really interesting idea. There are things that I don't quite understand that, like, you know, get either smoothed out or um, made clearer at a table. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like in terms of just like rule confusion, having two people or three or five people who have uh, familiarity with the rules can lead to less uh, confusion on, on a, than a single person being like, I think I've got this, but I haven't actually played it. So I don't know if I've got this. And then my second game was Alone Among the Stars. Uh, and I was like, oh, I am. I get it now, and it's funny because mm-hmm. I played it wrong. <laughs> sure. Yeah. I mean, I didn't. Th- this is a thing I will say from my experience. Experience with like solo board games recently is like, I have I have very quickly come to understand. Oh, I'm gonna mess this up very badly. <laughs> yeah. Uh, for a number of times. Um, yeah. And I which was. Is, I was. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> go ahead. Sorry. I was just gonna say isn't is is only I think it interesting thing to say because of what we do here right which is Mm -hmm. part of the question that has brought up to me and it's interesting that you know it's interesting to me that you you are saying this for instance about alone among the stars which is like a pretty simple game mechanically um Mm -hmm. but there's something very interesting to me about like the question of do you as is there a point in uh when you are designing a game in which the designer goes well i'm assuming people are going to it's going to take a while for people to get this. So like, can I put in guardrails to help things move forward? Even if they're going to like, y- you know, I, anyway, we talk about mechanics and systems and that was an interesting question. It's but, true. Yeah. Anyway. And, and I was reflecting on this actually just today. Um, and, 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 you know, on my, my 
you know, like I said, I've played this probably a half dozen times total, um, and and I have mostly played it quote unquote right since then. And the more I thought about it, the more I was like, <sighs> I didn't play it wrong in the sense that the game doesn't afford the way I played it. Um, what I did was just ignore the first dice roll. So it basically played it as though I rolled a one for every planet. <laughs> um, oh, interesting. Okay. Uh, um, because I just, I just, the three different dice rolls confused me, I think is probably what happened. It's been like two and a half years since this happened. So it's been a while, but um, yeah, I, I, it, even, even playing it wrong, quote unquote, I was just like, oh, this, this is, this generates really good narrative moments and i and i came to like a character that i found really fascinating and like but that i kind of truly hated by the like by the midpoint of the game like i really did not like the person i was playing as and i did not like set out with that as a goal and i don't think this game sets out with that as a goal <laughs> at all um it just kind of like clicked into place it's cool yeah, and it led to like a, a really neat experience. And then once I had that under my belt, like I've, I've since gone on and played a handful of the games, Alone Among the Stars, Primary Among Them. Um, uh, I've played a couple of like now uh, now tarot ones. Um, I played the Gateshead Engine a few times, which is another. It's a tarot based um, game about building a, a Victorian like steampunk mech, um, which is weird because I have played that both single player. This is a solo game. I play a single player which went really well. I've played it with two people um, for a recording, actually, that is, is still forthcoming, um, that went extremely well. And I've played it with four people, which was fascinating. Mm. <laughs> um, so, the, <laughs> being who I am, um, of course, I'm like, what would a solo game look like if you've just put four, if you had four people doing it? Um, and the answer is obviously different for each table and each system. But um, so far, it seemed pretty fascinating. Hmm. Um, so yeah, that's all to say. Alone Among the Stars, easily a top 10 role-playing game of all time for me. Maybe top five. Hell yeah. It, like, it, it, it opened up my brain to solo RPGs in a way that the other game I had tried did not, and I, and I, I will forever appreciate it. And... And I genuinely just like every once in a while I think like, I mean, I got the dice and I got the cards. Should I just just fuck around and play alone among the stars for like an hour? Oh, <laughs> um, yeah. and, I, and then sometimes I do. Nice. Um, on the other hand, Doskval inter- interstitials. Um, is it Doskval? It, I. It's, no idea. It's a it's a fake place. So who knows? <laughs> that's fair. Uh, that's how I shall pronounce it. Um, I've never read Blades. Um, and I think for me, the more I've Listener, thought about it, I will change this one day. That's I believe you. <laughs> uh, Blades has always seemed fascinating. My experience of it is through Friends of the Tables, Marielda, and that's basically it. Um, like, yeah, and and the little writing prompts it has uh, inspired me to do. Uh, I like one of them much more than the other one. Uh, let's say. <laughs> I'm uh, sorry. What it, I, I don't. I, I just don't know that I actually understand what, what you mean by the last thing you just said. 
I have, I have done I have done two games, and oh. one of them worked a lot better for me. Oh, sorry. Uh, I was thinking you were talking about structure of prompts, uh, which you might be, but you were literally saying I have played two of these. One was one I enjoyed; the other was less enjoyable. Okay, sorry. Yes, that totally makes um, sense. Well, so why don't I talk a little bit about? Because I think you've you've basically covered kind of the next thing I was thinking we could move to, which is the solo gaming stuff and your experience with that. Um, yeah. And so I'll talk a little bit about it. I, I I was pretty skeptical about solo RPGs for a long time um, because the thing that I'm interested in, right, uh, in terms of like how systems work and how tabletop RPGs work is I, I'm, I'm very interested in, in social behavior and the behaviors and sort of the player behavior that mechanics can incentivize, right? And sort of lead <laughs> folks to. What are the types of stories, the types of narration, the where are the points at which people can sort of insert themselves and come up with ideas, et cetera? Um, and so part of me was always just a little like, I'm not a player primarily. I'm a reader primarily. And so mm-hmm. I was like, I just don't know if, if I'm going to read a solo RPG, like there's a part of me that was like, I just don't know that it's going to have a lot of like ideas for me to kind of play around with. Cause I don't know if it's doing the thing that I'm interested right. in. I think that makes sense as like a, I mean, I'm not saying that that's a reasonable or a good <laughs> line of thought, <laughs> but like, I, I think that that makes like coheres as a group of thoughts a human could have. Right. Right. Um, yeah. Um, for, for my, like, uh, for my end of it, like, you know, I was very influenced by uh, Forge Theory stuff, and, like, one of their tenets is, like, role-playing games are, like, a shared ima- imagined space, or role-playing games are a conversation, um, in, in even simpler terms. Um, and so, yeah, so there was also, a, I also had a bit of a, like, I fundamentally think of of role-playing games as a conversation in some ways, as, yeah. or, or as a social space. Um, so importing that into a single-player thing is... is I also had some skepticism. <laughs> well, and I think, I mean, I, I, this is one of the this is one of the primary questions I have for you around solo play is like, uh, I, I I am very interested in how you, how you in particular, right? Like in in the same way that I was describing, like when I tend to sit down and read a book or look at a system, right? I'm thinking of it as a thing I'm reading and an interesting bunch of things to think about and with and through, right? Mm-hmm. You often read games thinking, how can I get people to the table and facilitate this? So yeah. I'm very curious, like, if you, I mean, maybe you don't have a lot of, like, developed thoughts or whatever, but, like, did you, ha- have you had to, like, have you ever thought about that particular thing? Like, when you do Alone Among the Stars, are you aware of that facilitation part of you, kind of, like, not being there or are you kind of trying to like facilitate for yourself like i'm curious how that has changed or if that changes when you do solo stuff well so again like right one of the oh, one of the you, things <laughs> what you do is you make it a multiplayer game <laughs> well yeah <laughs> both actually yeah um uh when i don't make it a multiplayer game when i actually am solo i make it a podcast um, yeah of course yeah <laughs> which yeah. is to say i i still have to produce with the um, with the specter of humans <laughs> um, that, like, will, uh, you know, end up with uh, me not just, you know, talking to a microphone for two hours or whatever, but also editing um, for content and, and you know, um, timing and stuff like that. Uh, and, and and that isn't to say, like I said, I have no, now played these just straight up by myself. But to get there, I needed the context of... 
uh, of a social space, uh, even if that's like an alienated, asynchronous social space, like a podcast, right? Yeah. Um, yeah, that, that, and, makes, that yeah. makes a lot of sense to me. Yeah. And in the time sense that I have played solo, um, I think I just, I think honestly, I just maintain that, right? I have some of that facilitator energy, even if I'm like, no one else is going to see this, but, but part of it is right. Like games like Alone Among the Stars, um, and, and Duskfall Interstitials do have an output. Um, and a lot, that's why a lot of these games are also called like journaling games. There is, there is some, thing that you're doing that is outside of just thinking in your own head uh, which i think is helpful yeah as a as a proxy social <laughs> yeah, yeah well so the so similar to how what you said of like uh, for you alone among the stars really helped like sort of break open oh solo rpgs like can be really interesting and like this has really shown me what they can do uh, for me my way in has has actually been through some solo board games which are not set up for narrative really at all um yeah uh so i'm gonna talk about one in particular which i've already rambled to you off podcast about uh but yeah. <laughs> uh called mckee is the one i'm gonna talk about so m-a-q-u-i-s um mckee is a solo only like basically a worker placement board game i'm not gonna i'm not gonna I, for one i am not an expert in board games at all um <laughs> and for two uh, i'm not gonna go into a bunch of detail worker placement kind of sounds like what it sounds like though right so like you have some sort of board or game space and you've got little icons or things that you're setting out as workers and then they do stuff right so mm-hmm. uh mckee is a pretty simple game it's solo only like i said and uh basically you are you are resistance fighters and you are uh trying to accomplish tax tasks to uh take down the occupying military police, and then eventually, if things go badly, so the soldiers that will sort of patrol the town that you're in, in France, and uh, try and arrest your people. And so it's a, it's a pretty simple game. It can go up to, I think, 14 rounds, um, which are each round is a day. And basically, you set out some workers, right? So I set out my resistance people. Each time I set one resistance person at a place. I draw a card that tells me where the next police person is going to go. And there's a bunch of mechanics in there about like, in order to, at the end of a day, get your resistance workers back, they have to have a clear path back to your safe house. And if they don't, they get arrested and they're removed from the game for the rest of the game. Right. So, um, what I found really interesting is one, it's just, it's a really, it's, it's a very well-designed game. Uh, I think that the mechanisms are all really very clever. Um, but mostly what I found was, like, I, I played through a game with a very janky webcam setup with a friend. Um, <laughs> and it was, like, it was kind of shocking to both of us how just, like, I mean, story was just, like, tumbling out of this game, right? Like, uh, where the police went. Like, it, it wasn't that there were any, like, narrative prompts it wasn't that there was anything in the rules about like and then narrate blah 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 but just because of who i am who my friend was like we were just naturally going like oh that's crazy oh wow okay so we were trying to like get the gun but actually when we got the gun the like the police the police like showed up and basically surrounded us right and so it just like it becomes the thing of like you just simply tell the very simple story of like oh so like we must have had a mole or like they must have found out and so that's why all of the police were surrounding um right yes i've never done anything with any of these right i've now played this game 
mean, I could bring up my board game geek profile, but I've, I've logged a bunch of plays, right? Um, mm-hmm. I'm very bad at it. I don't win a lot, but it's very fun. And like, mm-hmm. I've thought about doing the thing where you kind of like take stuff, uh, like, you know, you like write stuff down, keep notes, do like an after action report or like an actual play report from like old school wargaming days, right? Um, yeah. But I've just never done that because I don't need to. But playing McKee over and over again helped me go like, oh, like the, even when a designer is not trying to design something for telling a story, right? I knew enough because I became very interested and read a bunch of posts on the Board Game Geek forums with the designer. Um, because basically he created McKee as like a print and play game <laughs> initially. And like people really liked it. And then he kept developing it. So he has talked about like, there are reasons why I've chosen these specific mechanics. And some of them are balance related. And some of them are narr- narrated. Like some of them really are inspired by like, so for instance, let's say you send a resistance worker out to an airdrop spot. Right. And so at the airdrop spot, what I can do is then with, during the action phase, I can say, I want to airdrop a gun to a field. Right. Mm-hmm. If the resistance worker you send to the airdrop spot uh, ends up without a path back to the safe house, you both don't get the airdrop and you lose that worker. And some people were like, oh, well, that's like really, that's pretty rough. Like that's a pretty tough mechanic. And the designer was like, it is. I thought that was important for balance because I want this game to be hard. But also, if you send somebody to a location to set up an airdrop and then they get arrested, you don't get the airdrop. All you know (laughs) is maybe a gun was dropped in a field someplace, but like, Uh (laughs) you don't know what field outside of town that is, right? Like, they're arrested. So like, you just don't have the info. And that, that was like, I mean, this was a few months ago, basically. And, like, I'd been interested in solo RPGs before. But, like, McKee, for some reason, I think stripping it down to these, like, really basic mechanics that weren't even interested in telling a story. And then even when I just play alone, it's just so quick for me to be like, oh, wow, that's funny. Like, that's a really funny reaction or, like, a funny outcome to, like, the last couple of turns or whatever. Um, And so... Uh, that has made me a lot more interested uh, in kind of now exploring solo RPGs because I've seen that like the narrative can kind of tumble out and even mechanics that aren't specifically about narration, right? Or about sort of compelling stories or telling a story uh, can lead to that stuff. So it's made me, it's made me really interested. Um, And so with that, do we just want to start talking about Alone Among the Stars more? Um, yeah, I just, I wanted to say, uh, I'm that, cause I remember we had talked off mic about, uh, that game you had played, not off mic, obviously, um, but, but off podcasts about that game you had played with your friend and the way that it, that unlocked, um, sort of like the narrative potential. And I couldn't remember if you had specifically mentioned if you had continued like to do that as you played. So hearing that you were like, it is it is like a reflexive thing almost now is like that i love that 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 is very exciting to me yeah well and i mean so i have started taking i mean i i take pictures usually when i play a board game now i take a picture of the end state of the board um Mm -hmm. i don't really do anything with them i just keep them and sometimes it's fun um Mm -hmm. but like uh i have there are multiple mckee games where i have taken a picture of every round basically every day that i've played i've taken a picture of the end of the board just because i thought it was a fun like collection of things like 
just mechanically speaking. Fascinating. I'm, I'm pretty yeah. bad at some of the like objectives. There's objectives that are like complicated order of operations things where you need to like acquire acquire some resources that are harder to get, but you need to acquire them in numbers and then do you then have to like get an extra room and so it's like you really have to plan ahead and the randomization can make it really hard and so i've just i've just found fun stories even playing alone where i'm like oh whoa that's okay i cannot believe that somehow the patrols ended up exactly where i didn't need them to be or <laughs> like i cannot believe we just got so lucky like i there were two places where they could have gone that would have completely arrested every resistance worker, but they didn't show up there. And like I delivered the explosives to the mansion or whatever. Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah, no, I I have been, I have been surprised. I mean, again, I'm not doing the work. I'm not doing the, I'm going to write this up. Sure. But in my head, when I think I'm going to play McKee, I'm now thinking, oh, what kind of fun story about my resistance right. workers am I going right. to tell? Right. Okay. Quick, quick question. And yeah, then we please. can move on to the, the actual topic at hand. <laughs> I mean, I, I will say, listener, and this is, I, this this is, is part of the topic for me for sure was yes. like, and this is, this is a thing. This is maybe should have gone up in the, the first part. But part of this episode for me is like, hey, actually, why don't we just talk about like, ourselves and like stuff that we're interested in because we've given we've given some background in episode zero but often we're really focused on the object right so that's anyway continue um yeah i should have not said the actual because we are in the actual thing that we're we're not we we can move to the advertised uh, (laughs) topic at hand um my question is and and if you haven't like done this uh you don't have to do it live or anything but like I'm very curious. Can you like look back at a set of photos from like a month or more ago and like and just reconstruct that game in your head? Is is it like that kind of thing where you're like you could just see the the state of the board in in con, in con, or in like um in sequence and be like, "Oh yeah, th- I took this picture here because of this thing." Or are they just like fun references? Uh so that's a great question that I actually don't have the a, a full answer to yet. Um mm. but here, let me actually just pick pick this up. So I believe this is Yeah, okay, here we go. So like I'm looking at my first this is my first round. I'm looking at the finished picture. And I can already tell you the interesting thing about this first round is <laughs> that I got really lucky with patrol placement. So I was doing one of the objectives where I needed to go I needed to go to one side of the river on the game board basically and like mark every mark every area on that side of the river off right so I needed to send a worker there for a for a turn and then they needed to have a safe place home and I needed to do that like five or six times I think um, and so in this first round what I can see is that I just got very very lucky so I sent somebody to, uh, I decided to avoid that side of the river except for one place, and I was going to focus on gathering resources. So I went to a place where I can get a food, and I went to an airdrop spot. And like I can just look at this, and basically all three of the patrols are like directly next to each other. And so like, well, this is the first day of the game. And so I can basically be like, well, that's kind of fun, right? It's like we're operating at this point in like, maximum secret mode and the patrols just have no fucking clue what we're doing or where we are right right so they're just doing their their thing from presumably before the game begins like they're in they are in these neighborhoods because yeah yeah 
And so then totally. the next turn, I'm looking mm-hmm. and I'm looking at the end state. And it's hilarious because it is the exact opposite. So what I decided to do was I decided I am going to send a bunch of people over to the left side of the river where I needed to mark those things. And this round, all of the patrols were basically where all of my people were last time on the other side of the river. Um, So like it's stuff like this where like, uh, again, if I was going to write this up, I would probably have to do some reconfig, like re I'd have to remember or whatever. But, um, but yeah, I mean, I can, it's pretty easy because the turns are so quick, right? Like, Mm -hmm. um, but yeah. But yeah, I love that even just like, yeah, the state of the board can can give you like a visual language to to sort of reconstruct what happened. I think that's fucking very cool and not a thing that solo RPGs can really do, right? Because generally speaking, they don't have boards. <laughs> no, but to your point, they do have... I mean, this is one of the things I find interesting about board games versus tabletop RPGs solo is the point you brought up earlier, right? Which is... Um, and this is maybe a, this is a great segue into Alone Among the Stars, right? Which is Alone Among the Stars tracks its own progress because that's what you you were doing is you're basically writing down what you do, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and what I've realized is that board games can provide that sort of like here's a record. It's just it's you have to keep it, right? It becomes a picture because the board goes away. So there's a way in which solo RPGs often end up having more long-term sort of like artifacts. Um, Mm -hmm. But uh, it's about the thing at the end. Whereas with board games, you can sometimes work backwards in an interesting way. I don't know if that's an interesting point actually, but (laughs) it's a thing that I just realized. So I'm saying it into the microphone. Yeah, no, I mean, I think that's, to me, that is, that is, I mean, it's also indicative of like part of why, I mean, I have not played a solo board game, but I just am de- generally not a board game person. And you have kind of sold me on solo board games, at least theoretically. So we'll see if that ever happens. But like, I mean, that difference the next, is, is important. The next time we are together in a physical location, I will. If I have McKee with me, I would absolutely make you play McKee. That's uh, fair. But yeah, uh, so why I wouldn't yeah. make you do anything because I'm a good friend. I am, and I am. <laughs> um, <laughs> <laughs> why don't we? Yeah, why don't we talk about Alone Among the Stars? So yeah, like one of the best games ever. Yeah, let's do it. Yeah, so uh, I think the first place to start is maybe just to sort of recap what I said at the top quickly, which is what is this game? So uh, it's a solo role playing game about exploring fantastic planets. That is the pitch uh, in the game itself. Um, and like I said earlier, the the sort of actual mechanics are, are pretty straightforward. So. Uh, Essentially, you will be going, finding a new planet, and then fi- like sort of narrating your discoveries on those planets. So when you find a new planet, you roll a six-sided die. You then draw the number of cards uh, equal to the number shown on the die. You place those cards face down. And then as you start to explore the planet, you flip over a card. Um, and so to flip it over, uh, to discover it, you first roll a six-sided die again. Um, And then you get three options. So if you roll a one to two, it is arduous to get to. If you roll a three to four, you came upon it suddenly. And on a five to six, you spot it as you are resting. resting. And so that tells you basically, uh, how did you you discover the thing, right? 
So that's your roll, and then you flip the card over, and the suit and the rank of each card will determine the discovery. So in the book, there are two sort of lists. Um, so the four suits, diamonds, clubs, hearts, spades, are either diamonds, are living beings, people like or unlike you, fish, dinosaurs, wolves. Clubs are plants or other immobile forms of life. Um, towering trees, giant ferns, etc. Oozing mushrooms, gross. Um, <laughs> hearts, hearts are ruins, mysterious obelisks, vine-covered temples, etc. Uh, spades, spades are natural phenomena. So crystal formations, lighting in the sky, strange clouds, rocks, etc. So you, when you flip over the card. Uh, the suit tells you sort of what type of thing it is, and then the rank, so ace, two, three, four, five, all the way to king, uh, tells you where you found it. Um, I'm not going to read this whole list, but some options are by a gentle river for three, or eight is on a glacier, ten is on a cliff face. And so uh, once you have revealed the card, you then sort of record a short description and your reaction uh, of discovering this thing, right? And then starts over again. So you roll a d6 again for the next card. Um, or if you've revealed all of your cards, then you have completed a pl the planet. And when you complete a planet, you give it a number or a name, and then you find a new planet and you go back to the beginning. I will, I will read the sort of final paragraph, a uh, couple of sentences, because it, they're very good. Uh, <laughs> so this is the direction sort of for how to end the game. Play until you are tired and want to return home. If you want to remember your travels, save the journal. If the memories bring you pain, burn it. Just A plus, very good writing. We love this. Uh, mm -hmm. Absolutely. But yeah, so um, I'm kind of going to give the floor to you for a little bit because you're you're a really big fan. So what are what do you think is interesting <laughs> about this game? Um. Just to be clear, uh, BW read this entire game just now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. With the exception of a few prompts. Exactly. Uh, yeah. No, it's it's a sh so it's a short game. It's what four pages in the PDF, I think. Um, four pages, including the cover. So it's three pages, basically yeah. a page of the rules, a page of the Diamonds Clubs, Hearts and Spades, and then a page of Ace through King. Yeah. And and even then, I fucked it up my first time through. It's <laughs> fascinating, right? Yeah. I don't know. I. Uh, I don't. I don't know that I have like a, a any particular thing to say. I mean, I, I, part of what I'm saying here is like I love that. Uh, I love that it is incredibly simplistic uh, in a way that is uh, not simplistic at all. Frankly, that's that was the wrong word to use. <laughs> um, that it it is it is very it is extremely streamlined. Um, you roll a die, you pick some cards. You roll a die, you pick, you flip a card. You do that until you're done, and then you do that until you're done. <laughs> Um, yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, there's, yeah. It, mechanically speaking, I think it is not, there's no judgment in this. It is, it is mechanically speaking, very simple. It is, it, I think that's mm -hmm. just true, right? Um, I, I would agree with you. I don't think that it's a simplistic game. And, and part of it, to me, is, is because the mechanics are so simple, there's a lot that depends on what those mechanics are prompting you to do. And where the mm -hmm. edges of those prompts are, if that makes sense. Um, and to me, that's a lot of what I think is really special about this game. Is it? It gives you, in my opinion, it gives you with the die rolls, right? It gives you enough that you 
you know how you got to a thing and what sort of thing it is and broadly speaking where it is but everything else is really up to you but that's like a pretty good amount of constraint right um yes that is still incredibly open but gives you very clear direction and i think i think that's very impre- impressive and, and and yeah like i guess I'm not entirely sure what you mean when you say edges, but I guess what it makes me think of is like, um, yeah, there are, there are a lot of ways to do this, right? There are a lot of ways to, um, even if you were just going to stay within the constraint of um, a card is going to have something de- that is defined by its suit and something that is defined by its rank. I think without this game, I wouldn't necessarily go to like the the suit defines the sort of broad category of thing and the rank defines the place of it. Um, those are very specific choices for how, how to uh, use the randomization that cards present that like gives you a huge amount of latitude in terms of like character navigation or, or place setting or like um, world building that you can do on your own. Um, that may be uh, a different set of categories within each of the the car the uh, suit and rank um, might be might be different if like I'm trying to think of an example but my brain is is stopping so like if uh, if suit was always um, a, a type of uh, weather or something like that right <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I mean, I I think the there I I mean that's kind of what I mean is like I, I think the the specific types of specificity that they've chosen to include, um, like uh, the very the very simple change right that I could see going that being less interesting would be what if you just flip suit and rank right, and I think that that could be a reasonable thing of like oh well I want to get like maybe the most juicy thing for a player is actually the type of thing so like what if I actually gave a bunch of different types of things via the rank right and so instead Mm -hmm. of just four options you have a bunch of different options and they're much more granular and then the suit is a few different options about where you find it right Um, I don't think that would be a bad game but I think like the thing I was really struck by on the suit and rank in particular is because again, as a reminder, suit tells you what kind of thing you find and rank tells you where you found it. And like, there's some stuff that's very interesting to me about the rank because you have, I mean, how many options is it? What it's 10, 13 options, right? On the snowy peak of a mountain is one. The next one is near a volcano. The next uh-huh. one is on a glacier, right? Uh, there is in deep water, there's floating in the air, there's by a gentle river. Like the, I think that there's, I just think it's a really cool and interesting choice that the the bulk of your sort of specificity it, when you ch- turn the card over is specifically location. But again, the four suits are, uh, when I was talking about edges earlier, I just meant that they're defined well to me, right? Meaning like sure, yeah. the lines between those four are really clear. And like you can always ignore rules. You could always decide I don't want to talk about a rock formation. Or you could say I'm going to talk about a rock formation, but maybe my rock formation is living actually, right? Like 100%, yeah. And I just, there's... I think that there are a lot of ways this could go and I don't think that they would be bad, right? But I think it would be a very different type of game 
if if you just switch suit and rank. And I think it would end up probably yes. feeling pretty differently to play. But the thing I'm really fascinated by is just like that, like uh, f- finding the the like that line to ride around. Like, I want to give people enough that like I think of this in terms of uh, almost like accessibility, but it's probably not accessibility proper. But like designing a game like this that is that is like approachable for people who are maybe a little nervous about solo RPGs or even RPGs generally, or mm-hmm. like I absolutely know people in the, I mean, I said this about myself, like sometimes I'm just not very creative narratively, like mm-hmm. I'm just not. And um, so I think like the thought that has gone into sort of what things do what, right? Like which dice roll, which, which thing on the card tells you what thing, um, I feel like this is a very, uh, I think that they have done a very good job of like giving enough direction that you're, you're going to have an idea. And maybe your first playthrough, you get to the rock one and you're like, what am I going to say about a rock? I don't know. (laughs) Right. But like, but like also I bet if that was your third one, you'd probably be like, Oh, okay. What about if the rock was, you know, like, it just I, I've just been very impressed in thinking through this game about how if I put myself in the position of like uh, I I pull this prompt right it's just very easy for stuff to kind of tumble out and link together in really interesting ways uh-huh. that's kind of I guess my point <laughs> is I I'm just I think it's very I think that I think it's very well done and I could see it going a bunch of different ways but I feel like the where the specificity and where the options are is really clever here. Yeah, and and just to like even just talk about cards for a second, right? <laughs> um, there are an equal amount of diamonds, clubs, hearts, and spades in a deck, uh, and I guess there's technically an equal number of each, uh, like uh, of each number, but the equal number of the suit is way higher than the equal number of the rank, right? Yeah, I mean, so, because there's only four, right? Yes. Like, yeah. Uh, just yeah, I'm I'm literally yeah, just speaking of physical characteristics. So, um, but that allows for like a game I played uh, when I was actually playing it, where I was rolling the die at the at the top of each um, of each planet to get a number of of cards. Uh, there was like a planet I landed on that I believe was like a four card planet that were all hearts. So everything on that planet was ruins. That's cool. But those ruins were in a bunch of different places because of the, you know, the different numbers on the cards. Um, and that, like, that immediately, like, up by the second uh, heart card, I was like, oh, oh, this is got, this is a, this is a fucked up planet. Okay. Or at least I'm on a fucked up part of it. Like, there's, there's a history here. Yeah. 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 And then the next card. And then I was like, oh, there's a deep history here. And maybe there's no one here. And then I got the next one and I was like, okay, this is a desolate planet. And I had to both like build that up in my head as I, as I wandered from space to space, you know, from the, from the snowy peak to the steep canyon and only found ruins everywhere. And also, like, sort of retroactively build that in as I learned more about the place via the card reveals. Yeah. It was great. Yeah, that sounds great. <laughs> that sounds really cool. Um, I, uh, so, I mean, th- this is going to be, I think, a natural thing that will 
come to readers' minds. But like, uh, I think it's a I think it's a fair thing to talk about a little bit, which is like, why didn't I just play this game? <laughs> right? <laughs> um, sure. Uh, because I just like I I don't I didn't do that, um, and I may I may one day. <laughs> like, I, Alone among the stars seems really rad, um, but uh, I didn't. Uh, and part of it was that. Uh, this is a very interesting and gratifying experience for me personally, because one of the things that I do worry about, right, as a person who is not inclined to always just want to go to the table and find people and play the games, right? Some of that is logistics, some of that is location, some of that is just my life and my brain right now. But like, I read through this this game, and I, I felt like I understood why it worked and how it worked. Um in a way that I, of course, would not, if I played through the game, I would have a very different understanding just because I would have done a different thing and we do things and that affects us. But um, I, when I was, I was searching around for, um, I'm going to, I'm going to reference a blog I found. Uh, I I will say I did not do a lot of looking into this person. I hope that this person is fine. Uh, But there's a, there's a blog I found called, it was just called Midlife Gamer Geek. It's just all one word, midlifegamergeek.com. And there's a post from 2021. And it's a, it's a fine review. It's a positive review. Uh, Just sort of going through Alone Among the Stars. Um, But the thing that uh, I found really interesting is there was, there was a part in there that was basically like, this guy was like, I mean, I just don't. I just was like, I don't know why I would do this. Why would I play a solo RPG? What could I possibly <laughs> do, right? And like he read through the game and was like, I just, is this going to be fun? Like, I don't know. And there's just this very cool story of he, he's like, I basically pulled the first one and kind of was like, okay, I don't know. And essentially by like the second or third card, he was like, oh, oh, okay, okay. Similar to what you just said, right? Which is like, mm-hmm. um, th- there's just, I, I think, again, like, even just looking at the rank, right? You are naturally going to be like, oh God, wait, well, the last one was on a glacier. I'm in a desert now? What is this planet, mm-hmm. right? Like, right. Um, and I think about this a lot in terms of, uh, so uh, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna talk about Austin Walker. Apologies, everybody. But um, <laughs> Austin Walker, specifically Austin Walker as like a games journalist game critic person, right? So, like, focusing on video games as opposed to Friends at the Table work. Austin has sort of uh, developed a reputation as a person who loves kind of weird, broken games, but that are, like, systems-rich and, like, have a lot of holes for him to fill in, right? Um, and I've always sort of... There, there are a lot of people sort of in the gaming space who talk about stuff like this, right? Um, they like these games that have these weird rough edges and they tend to come to the game and like fill stuff in, right? And so they're meeting the game and they're sometimes filling in the sort of blank spaces or they're drawing connections between things to sort of help the narrative forward. And I have always had this feeling of like, like I get that, but like if I'm going <laughs> to play a video game, I want it to like be telling me a thing i guess mm-hmm. <laughs> um and and like the thing i was really impressed by reading alone among the stars and the thing that this this review in particular really brought home for me was like for me as a person who primarily reads i really felt like i read this game and saw like oh like i see how this would <laughs> this would cohere and be very interesting right like 
even so like even in your experience if you go to a planet it was all ruins right i feel like that could happen with any of these areas and it would already be interesting right yes you just run into all diamonds it's all living beings so like you're running around this planet and you're finding you're not finding plants you're not finding weird rock formations (laughs) you're not fine you're just it's people they're just everywhere right so like is this super popular like again it just i was very impressed by how it all cohered really well for me in even just in the reading of like, I see how this fits and I see why, I mean, I don't know exactly why they've chosen things, right? But I see why you've chosen where each of the sort of reveals are, where each of the like randomizations are and the specific mm-hmm. level of specificity of each of those. I just thought it was, re- it just was really clever and it kind of came together in a way that I found really impressive. Um, but it was also just nice to be like, oh yeah, I'm pretty good at re- reading RPGs, I guess, uh, <laughs> which is maybe totally. just a little self-indulgent. But I, I, I was just really, I was just, I've been very impressed with this. You know, like, like we said, basically four-page PDF. Right, and I, and I mean, I think even the point I was, I was, I was trying to make on some level, right, is, is that like the the system is so smart and so tight that like the sim it's it's not like it's like um i had some ideas for a game uh and i don't know i'll, I'll make up some prompts for a card it seems like it's it it it, it was like okay here is how cards work <laughs> here's everything you could do with cards how do i how do i bring that into a game about planets here is how dice work here's here's where they would fit in in this game like uh, yeah it just this game is so because now I'm like imagining as as you were talking, I just started imagining like, what if you got three tens in a row? Like, what, what is a ten like if, for the listener uh, on a cliff face? Yeah. Like what a what a different world that is, right? Because it would have to be all be of different suits, as opposed to you know this there was repeating suits that I got the the ruins like the idea of being like on a cliff face you find. Uh, ruins, living beings, and natural phenomena. Yeah. Uh, and you don't know from the jump that you're getting those three things. You don't. You don't know you're staying on that cliff face the entire time. So you might start telling a story about the ruins that are there and thinking you're leaving. Yeah. You might like l- like lead yourself in a certain direction, and then all of a sudden you have another ten, very improbably. Well, and um, so it, you're, it's so good. I agree with everything you've said, right? And the thing we haven't actually talked about much, right, is the first die that you roll to discover something, which is how do you get to it? And so yes, uh, yes. that's also fascinating if you think about okay, so like you got all tens, so you're just on a cliff face. Let's say you 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 rolled a four at first, so you've got four cards in front of you and they happen to all be tens. Uh, but like you could get to the ruin suddenly, right? And it's like, oh, mm-hmm. crazy, okay. And then maybe you get to the person when you're resting because you're like, oh, there's nobody here. And then suddenly, <laughs> right? Like it's just, again, there's just something very, there's something very like, very impressive to me about the levels of specificity and where they sort of, where they are in terms of how they kind of then all come together to prompt you 
to kind of naturally, even if you're not a person who thinks of yourself as like very narrative, sort of like a very narrative person or a story focused person or like a storyteller, like it, I would imagine that for a lot of people, you you will pretty quickly start to go like, oh, weird. Oh, weird. Okay. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. wait, I was in a <laughs> desert and now I'm on a glacier. Okay. Oh, what does that mean? Okay. Why is this person on the desert? Um, just... I just, yeah, I, I think it's very great. It's great. Yeah. Um, and I, I just also appreciate that, like, you know, the the more diverse thing is the is the landscapes, because that means you can't, it's a, it's much harder to play a Star Wars world. Sure, sure. <laughs> yeah, sure. Because <laughs> um, a Star Wars world would never have a desert and a glacier on the same planet, is what I'm saying. <laughs> uh, never, ever in their lives. Um <laughs> Cool. Well, why don't we talk about Duskfall interstitials? I think maybe I'll I'll do the same thing we did with Alone Among the Stars, which is I will kind of quick quickly revi- remind people sort of what what these games are. Um, so, Duskfall interstitials is a collection of games by Matthew R. F. Balashek, and they are uh, invitations to play. Uh, and they are specifically small games meant to um, sort of augment your Blades in the Dark campaign or Blades in the Dark game. Uh, but um, as Matthew says early on, you you could pretty easily adapt them to other games. Each of the interstitials have uh, sort of a similar uh, structure. So each of them start with some sort of real life prompt to begin play. Um, some Some quick examples are Things like uh, The Stranger is one of them. Uh, play this sure. game when you accidentally make eye contact with somebody in public, right? Um, uh, upkeep. The upkeep, uh, the initial prompt is play when you realize you need to take care of yourself. So w- we can talk more about those, but that's the that's the first part of the basic structure. Is there some sort of real-life prompt that kind of signals, ah, okay, uh, this, is, this is the game, right? And then what follows is a couple of short paragraphs with some guidance on the game. Usually if there's any sort of timing thing, so do this before X or do this before you finish X. And then what the sort of narrative prompts are for what you should be sort of thinking about in terms of your Blades in the Dark game or your Blades in the Dark character and what to kind of write. Um, And then the final thing is many of them have seed prompts where you can roll a D6. Um, So... You played a couple of these. Do, do is that maybe a good place to start? We talk about the ones um, you played. Yeah, I think I think I would. I think we can get there in just one second because I had one question that actually came up over the course of this recording so far Great. Um, that I would love to know more about. Um, so I apologize if this is uh, annoying, but you mentioned that you did have the physical version of this game. I do. Yeah. Um, can you can you tell me about it at all? Um, I'm sort of assuming because i have a couple i have like a copy of squad force heroes and on the internet nobody uh just in my game library from from back in the day when uh when uh balashek was presenting at playdate pop-up the uh the video game pop-up inside of la zine fest i used to run from what 2016 to 2019 um where where he was uh uh he was present i believe in 2017 uh, i bought a couple of his games because they were really cool um 
and, and those are just like sort of like fairly simple staple zines. Um, is that how this comes also, or is it in a different format? No. Or yeah, what's the deal? Yeah, it's just a, it's a stapled zine. It's got you know a cardstock cover with the really really lovely artwork, um, which I, I guess I will go ahead and shout out. Um, I I re- actually really yeah. like the cover a lot. Um, yeah, uh, the cover <laughs> is by Amy. Uh, A-M-M-Y, queer illustrator based out of Toronto, um, whose work focuses on mental health, horror, and queer themes. Find him on Twitter at The Sandlord. Um, it's from the zine, the back of the zine. But um, but yeah, it's it's a it's a simple stapled zine. Um, cardstock cover, okay. uh, black and white. Interesting. Okay. I was, I was curious about that because the more I thought about these games and how much of them take place sort of you know, while you're, well, I mean, literally sometimes traveling on public transit, or like you said, with a stranger, like when you make contact with eye, make eye contact with somebody in public, um, the more I was thinking, like, um, you're familiar with the, like, the business card games little thing, right? <laughs> I, I don't, I don't, I'm, I'm maybe not, I'm not, that is not ringing a bell, those specific words together. Okay. I, uh, it's not, I don't know if it's a design movement so much as just like a, a, a style, I guess. Um, I'm not super familiar. I believe Mamados has, uh, one that's like, that seemed really cool about, uh, discoursing on the internet. Um, but they're, it, they are what they say on the tin, right? They are games that are written to be printed on a business card. Um, oh okay yeah i i just I, I literally just googled business card rpgs and like there's an itch.io business card jam this is interesting yes. this um there's a similar movement in board games oh really yeah th- there's a there's a really great publisher I, I really like their stuff a lot called button shy b-u-t-t-o-n um and then shy s-h-y but uh button shy is famous for making 18 card games so uh you you ah. have you have heard me playing one of them that like yes, pirate game yes. or whatever but the the basic idea of these is it's just 18 cards in a little like in a little like vinyl wallet and that's it that's all you need that that yeah this is cool i had not i have not run into these actually this is fun though um yeah i just thought about those because i was like because thinking about traveling with this game um made me think like this could be a real cool business card game, <laughs> um, like or a thing yeah. you could just carry in your wallet. Well, or I'm I'm assuming this is purse. related to some of the the thing you said earlier about like having a bad memory and some of your quibbles, yes, right? Exactly. Uh, yeah. which, which is absolutely <laughs> a thing I've thought about with this. Which is like this is I I am glad the PDF exists, but this is a game that I think if like this is a series of games which if you are interested in incorporating these, um, I, you should you should pay Matthew for the physical version because I think that's mm-hmm. for me for instance my hack for this would be I would have that book with me all the time and knowing that I had it with me might be enough to prompt things or I would like look for stuff right so like I would need to come up with some sort of method mechanism for like okay I am interested in thinking more about my character's relationship to art and so I'm going to uh like focus on two or three of these interstitials and kind of pay attention um, for the, the real life thing to happen. Yeah. And I think that, I think that makes sense. Right. I just, uh, in my head, I was like, 
<laughs> what's the smallest form factor that would be the easiest yeah. to carry around? But yeah, like a small zine is, is totally fine for a messenger bag or a purse or something like that, right? Like that's, yeah, it totally makes sense. Well, and I, I mean, I like, I've been been exploring like print and play stuff lately. So like, I'm, I suddenly care, care about lamination. Um, <laughs> but like, I, I absolutely had had the thought of like, oh, you know, what would be interesting is like, what if I just made a, a small double-sided laminated card that was just the two pages of uh, the table of contents in the zine, which are right. pages three and four in the PDF, uh, or maybe they're further than that. Sorry, they're three and four in the book. But it's just on those two pages, you have every single game listed, the name and the prompt. Right, so the table of contents is set up, and it says the festival dash five. Play this game only when you've come inside from the cold or darkness, and it just goes through and has all of them. Um, so, like you said, yeah. either a business card or just you know printing it out, sort of two on a page or whatever. You absolutely, for me, I would need some sort of those prompts, which is, I think, I mean, to me, that's one of the most interesting things about this collection is this this linkage of sort of you, the player, in the real world, right? Mm-hmm. And these very mundane things, right? One of the prompts is like, only play this game when you realize you should be cleaning, which is incredibly, yes. brutally relatable. Um, <laughs> and like, this is the sort of thing that I think, this is why I, for instance, think uh, even people who are very interested in playing games a reason why it might be good to think about reading them is because in this case, I feel like after you read through the interstitials two to three times, and that's not going to take you all that long. They're not very long. They're also just going to be floating in your brain. Right. Um, And so it could become a habit. Um, And I think, you know, we're not in a campaign right now. I believe I absolutely, I mean, I bought this when I was playing blades in a campaign. Um, mm-hmm. and I actually bought this for Matthew in person, um, because I was living in, I was living in Brooklyn and he was at the at Brooklyn zine fest, I think it was. And I bought this for that campaign and that campaign didn't last much longer after I bought this, unfortunately. But part of why I bought it is because I was like, oh, well, I am thinking about this character and I'm thinking about this campaign. And so like, I actually think these things might actually occur to me, um, <laughs> because it's top of mind. Right. Um, right. But there, there's something very cool about. Um, you know, for instance, the cleaning one, right? Uh, like, pl- play this game when you only... So it's called The Mess, A Game of Chaos. Yes. Play this game only when you really should be cleaning. And then the game is write a bit about the clutter in your scoundrel space, whether it's in the shared space at the lair or in their private living space. When you're done writing, get away from your screen and get on with cleaning. And then it has some seeds, so you can... Uh, all of the instructions for the seeds, by the way, when they have seeds, say things like seeds, choose using your dice or desires or ignore entirely. But like some of the options for the seeds here are like, whose blood is this? What's that smell? Where did this trash come from? Like, while I was in it, I absolutely could imagine just being like, oh, I really should need to clean. And because I've been thinking about my Blades character being like, oh, I bet Tish needs to clean too, actually. <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> Uh, but that that move of like taking you from I've noticed a thing in the world that I know is a prompt from interstitials to I am now thinking about, you know, this weird world that my half demon confidence person <laughs> it lives in is just, I think, very interesting. I think it's very cool that that specific move. 
Um, yeah. And I feel like we should also, uh, two quick things. Um, so these are all divided into, this is actually in like three sections. Correct. Yeah. So the first five or first six are are invitations to play in quotidian moments. So these are all just like, these are things like the stranger or the establishment where you play only when you like, uh, walk past a shop or restaurant and tell yourself that you'd like to check it out sometime. Um, yeah, so just like are, things that may happen, you know, whenever. They're called and there's invitations. Uh, oh, yes. Sorry. Yes. Um, and there's intervenings that are invitations to play instead. That's like the mess um, where you like you realize a thing should be happening or you're doing a thing and it's a way to take yourself out of that thing or fill time during that thing. Um and then there's waitings, which are invitations to play in between. That's like the trip, which I'll talk about shortly. While you're, you can only play it while you're riding public transit. And one of the specific things it says is don't miss your stop. Like, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Or, or uh, the chore, which is the one I wanted to bring up um, sort of in contrast to the mess. Um, the chore is to, is, the prompt is play this game while you're waiting for laundry. And. Uh, you know, it's the the sort of end state is to finish it before you take anything out of the dryer. <laughs> um, and the the prompt is right about your scoundrel taking care of something unexciting. It can be the same thing you're doing now or something entirely different. And there's a little caveat there. Instead of the seeds, uh, it just says laundry comes in many forms. Laundry doesn't have to be laundry exactly, just something mundane. Mm-hmm. And I, I like how those two games, which are extremely similar, right? Mm-hmm. They're both about completing. A mundane task basically right uh you you're you gotta sweep your kitchen or you gotta do your laundry but they're in different sections because they are structured slightly differently and they and they amount to different games like there is a there is a very clear delineation of games that are even very very similar in this thing and i think that's one of the coolest things about it to me yeah no 100 percent. and i think i mean it, to me this felt very similar to like my uh, the way I was impressed by some of like the the very particular way of handling specificity in Alone Among the Stars, right? Mm-hmm. To to me, the thing that's the thing that like tells this in the book is that the mess, right, has a subtitle. All of the games have a little subtitle, and the mess's subtitle is a game of chaos. So, sure, the game is prompted by you should really be cleaning. You then write about the clutter in your your scoundrel space right and then when Mm -hmm. you're done writing get away from the screen and go clean and yeah (laughs) uh like but the focus of the writing right the focus of your attention in terms of the game is the mess is the chaos whereas the chore the subtitle is a game of necessity and so Mm -hmm. just i'm basically just agreeing with you but just trying to augment it right (laughs) which is like i just think it's so it's so clever and so cool that like these are both things that could be prompted by very similar things, right? Again, because laundry doesn't have to be laundry. It's just a mundane thing that you were sort of waiting for, right? But the focus is on, like, the description of the chaos in the mess versus your scoundrel being like, well, I really do need to do this, huh? <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, <laughs> like, I have to take care of this thing, whatever this mundane thing is. Um which is, like you said, I think is very impressive for games that it, it would be, I think it would be very easy for people to be very dismissive of, of for instance, this collection of things, right? Like, mm-hmm. especially people who like more crunchy 
um, sort of really mechanics heavy RPGs. I, I think part of why I was interested in doing these two for the show was also just to talk a little bit about this specific thing, right? Which is like, uh, one of the things I really love about tabletop RPGs, uh, as I have read a lot more of them, and then as I've read them way more carefully, because we now talk about them for hours at a time, apparently. Um, <laughs> like For an ostensible public. Like for an ostensible public. Hello, ostensible public. Uh, but like... <laughs> I really genuinely, like, I think it's so impressive what Matthew has done with these, which they are very simple, right? Similar to Alone Among the Stars. Uh, there's no judgment there. They are just mechanically very simple. Mm-hmm. And Duskfall Interstitials, the interstitials are even more mechanically simple. It is reliant on you, the player, being aware of the prompts. And then it's mostly, okay, here, have a reaction to realizing that the prompt has happened and then narrate a thing about your character or the world of your character. But you've pointed out, I think, a a perfect example of why I find these so impressive is, again, the mess and the chore, right? They're both focused on very similar things, but they feel super different in terms of what they're asking you to focus on and even what Matthew is encouraging you to do as the human playing the game afterwards, Mm -hmm. which is just very, it's just very interesting and very clever. And maybe it's worth saying, like, this is a thing I've, I have enjoyed in most of what I have seen in Matthew's work, which is very much an interest in play, not just at the table, play in places, in specific spaces or in the world. And uh, I, what I would call like embodiment and like mm-hmm. being aware of the fact that both that you are the player and that you are playing, if that makes sense. Yes. Uh, uh I mean, I, I haven't, I haven't, I've never <laughs> spoken with him about this in particular, but uh, Matthew Balashek seems like somebody who maybe doesn't, uh, doesn't buy into the whole magic circle argument. <laughs> oh, yeah, that seems, yeah, that seems probably correct for sure. <laughs> um, um, which I also don't. Um, do you want to explain what the magic circle is in, you know, 10 seconds? Sure. Uh, the magic circle is a, is it a Calois thing? I don't remember exactly who brings it up. Um, but it's, it's basically the idea that games are, uh, a, a, a space set aside from the real world. Um, that games are their own sets of rules that do not interact with the world. Um, the magic circle is the, like, ostensible circle that is drawn around the players inside of which the play happens and outside of which the world happens. Yeah, that it's more complicated. No, than but, that, but yeah. I think that's a really good. I mean, I, yeah, I think that's a really good. It's a really good summary, and I think we we probably are both aligned on, uh, mostly thinking it's pretty uninteresting and uh, not a useful construct for understanding how games and people and worlds interact. Um, uh, oh, uh, was it H- Hazinga? Wazinga. Wazinga? It's Wazinga, Yeah, um, whatever. Fucking Homo Ludens ass. <laughs> <laughs> Cool. So why don't we, you played a couple of these. So why don't you talk about the games you played? Yeah. Um, and I, I just wanted to like reiterate what you said earlier about Alone Among the Stars and you're not playing it. Um, because that's, again, this is kind of not, that's not the point of this podcast, right? We're not, we're not here to provide actual play reports, but I did do some actual play and there were, there were a couple of small things that I thought were interesting out of them. Um, so last Friday I played 
Last Friday means nothing given our <laughs> recording schedule. But <laughs> honestly, at this like at this point, I've been out of work for over a month. Days mean nothing to me anymore. So <laughs> that's fair. At a time in um, the past, B played a game. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, I played the trip um, when I was on uh, on public tran- transit, as uh, as it says, you're only allowed to do it while, while on public transit, um, and I. Um, you know, it was my first time playing this game and I had read through, I hadn't actually, I read through the entire thing. I had read through probably like four fifths of the, of the game. So I hadn't finished reading it. I hadn't really like written up notes or anything. So this was very much a me playing a kind of raw moment, um, in the context of like, we're going to talk about these games. I've played a shit ton of Alone Among the Stars. Um, I might as well, you know, and, it, and it's not like I have to, you know, put together a group to do this. I just have to be on public transit and write something down. <laughs> um, uh, and so I did. Um, and and it hit on some things that I think we've kind of like touched on that um, that made that made them more complicated to me, right? The main one being that this game explicitly says like the setting is is mutable, basically. what's the what's the general rule for that? Duskfall has many places. Uh, yeah, so the, the general rule is Duskfall comes in many yeah. forms. These games are written for a group of players playing a Blades in the Dark campaign set in the city of Duskfall, but you are welcome and encouraged to adapt these games as necessary to another role-playing context. Yeah, and I didn't do that. <laughs> um, <laughs> I had another context to adapt them to, but I tried to just sort of whole cloth write a little story. And I actually don't hate the story that I wrote, but there were some like points of friction um, in in the game that I didn't anticipate from not playing it, and that I don't think are necessarily inherent in in the game as written. Hmm. But that 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 did hit me, and and I think that's like the the <laughs> the long and short of of my report back from the trip. Um, other than, I guess the general more general thing is like after reading it and rolling one of the seeds and getting something that made zero sense to me, I went back and reread a bunch of the seeds and um and this might just be me like this might just be us having read a bunch of games with really fucking cool tables, but just to you know be critical or whatever like to to have a a, a strong criticism uh the seeds tables in this. And this might be a consequence of me not having read Blades in the Dark in general, just aren't as evocative to me as just to list the last things we've talked about, right? The tables in Waiting for Gygax, the tables in Troika, and the tables in Alone Among the Stars. They just don't hit me in the same way. And I found that kind of a bummer. I don't think that's like a uh, uh, system killing <laughs> critique or anything like that. It was just a, a, a thing I noticed after... Um, after rolling and going like, ah, that kind of doesn't hit me. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think there's two things. There's two things that are interesting about this. And that to me actually kind of, uh, reinforce. Um, so like when we were talking about alone among the stars, one of the things we were talking about was like, there's the, the, the actual mechanics are very simple, but like they do a lot. Right. And like, they're very mm-hmm. well chosen. So, um, I, I think there's like the two things that you brought up that essentially sort of violated this, the sort of interstitial system, right? Which is like, 
it, it seems like the assumption is if you're going to use this for a different campaign, you should probably go through and actually do that adaptation, right? And it wouldn't take a lot of time, but it would take time. It's work, right? Like you would need yeah. to look at the trip and you would maybe go, okay, write a scene that takes place entirely on a form of transportation in whatever your campaign is in, right? And then yes. you would make the choice of, am I going to look at the seeds? And like some of the seeds are fine. Awkward conversation with a gondolier from the trip. Okay, so awkward conversation with whoever is driving the public transit, right? Um, mm-hmm. The view from the lightning rail is pretty specific to Duskfall. Um, <laughs> but like you could change that. And if you didn't know anything about Blades in the Dark, you can just cross that one out or whatever, right? Like, But that is work. That is work that you would need to do ahead of time. Um, and to me, this like this feeds into the other thing, which again, like none of this is to be like, and your experience was wrong. Uh, but it, it is just, I think it, it is interesting because to me, like the other piece is that you aren't in a campaign that is like a player. You are not a player in a campaign. You are in a long running campaign mm-hmm. for Island Demeter uh, season two. Um, mm-hmm. But like, that's not top of mind in the way that a campaign that you're doing every two weeks or every week or whatever would be, right? And so... Right, we haven't recorded in over a, a year. Exactly, right? <laughs> Which, again, is not to say that, like, your experience was wrong or your, like, it, that it not working for you is, like, a, a error on your part. It's just that I think these things are designed actually pretty tightly, even with the simple mechanics, to assume a few things, which is... These are interstitials that make sense, right? These small games make sense when you are in a campaign and you have a character that you're living with. And because what they want to do is they like these interstitials are trying to get you back to the to your character, right? And like thinking mm-hmm. about and fleshing out the character. So it's actually very a very interesting result to me that like with those two things in more wibbly states, right? You didn't you didn't like you said you didn't go through and do any of the like revamping ahead of time and it's sort of a campaign that's like on but it's been off for a bit and so it's not top of mind necessarily um and that really affected your play like that's actually super interesting given how sort of again mechanically simple some of these things are and the and the fuck thing of course i read this to you in a call off of the podcast Mm -hmm. i'm pretty I'm pretty happy with a little short story i don't think it's the best thing i've ever written It, it it ends very awkwardly um it's not that it, the output that it produced wasn't itself also interesting. Yeah, like I, I, I like the little short story I wrote well enough. I, I'm not a thing I'm gonna shop around to get published in a flash fiction thing or something like that. But like, even with all those limitations, you know, maybe it's just that I miss writing fiction. Is what that <laughs> comes down to. <laughs> well, but but, like, but I mean, I think that's you, right? Like. Uh, Again, I feel like that's interesting because even if that's true, right, that is you, that is an interesting reason why you were interested in using these, even if you weren't Mm -hmm. able to satisfy sort of two of these things that are kind of part of the system, which is these were, these were written for Duskfall, like they absolutely were. Mm -hmm. And, um, the, I mean, the, like, we've talked about some of the prompts, right? But like, some of the prompts are pretty specific right um the one we talked about not on the pod i think was a few days ago is there's the one about the ghost uh that i'm the haunting Mm -hmm. uh which is this is one of the ones i wanted to talk about i believe uh i don't uh Mm -hmm. so i might as well just do it um but uh this one is great because it's specifically it's one of my favorite of the real life prompts 
which is The Haunting, a game of supernatural echoes. And the prompt is, play this game only when your phone asks what Wi-Fi network you'd like to join. Right. But you don't actually want to join a Wi-Fi network right now, so you just hit cancel. Um, and then you're supposed to finish the, playing the game before your phone tells you that you have low battery. And then the text is, uh, Duskfall is a haunted city. The supernatural touches everyone's day-to-day life in ways both big and small. Think about your scoundrel's interactions with the ghosts in the city. Write a few words, a few sentences, or a few paragraphs. This is the sort of thing where, like, it's pretty specific to Duskfall in terms of if you know Blades in the Dark and you know the sort of Duskvalian lore stuff in the setting, ghosts are, like, pretty specific, right? But if you, for instance, are not uh, on public transit stressed out and tired uh it's the sort of thing where i totally understand you're reading this and you're like i don't we don't talk about ghosts in our game what am i even gonna what right which sure yeah that which makes to, sense. to me yeah. again is this sort of thing of like I, uh i've used this language before i like systems that are opinionated and sure. often what yes. that means is i like a system that is d- clearly designed by somebody who is thinking about it as a system and is thinking about the ways these things sort of connect and is wanting to set you the player up for the right understanding of it right um mm-hmm. and that's actually a thing where like I, I genuinely feel like matthew has done a very good job of like even to the point of there are general there's a general rule you're really not supposed to play more than one game per day and really not even supposed to play more than three times per week. And to me, that's a really interesting rule because I think if you tried to push yourself to play this anytime you saw you were stressed, anytime you were on public transit, I think the the oh, eventual result would be your experience, right? Of like, oh, uh, I don't, I shouldn't do this right now. Like, right? <laughs> like, I've written three That's the trips. That's extremely funny. Um, <laughs> so, like, I just uh, find that very interesting. Wow, okay. I had a completely different read of that general rule. Oh, interesting. Um, My read of that was, and I think you're probably more right, but this is maybe just my... Like my GM brain, my played too much D and D in my youth brain. My, uh, I have dealt with the rules lawyers before. Uh, <laughs> kind of brain, um, or power gamers, maybe more specifically. Uh, when I read that, I was like, "Oh, this is a good way to like give distributed like uh, world building access to everyone in the game, but not like." immediately undermine the GM (laughs) because in my head it was like, yeah, play this once a day at most, play this three times a week at most is a very like, you get that one player who's like, oh, I now have access to the world building in a way that I didn't have before. So I'm just going to start rewriting your fucking campaign. Wow. Okay. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, huh? Yeah, I, I think it works for both, um, and and maybe that's just like, and no, not maybe that is definitely just an artifact of like having played in games or having run games with players who weren't involved or weren't interested in collaborative world building. They were involved in malicious world or interested in, in malicious world building. These are the players who just want to kill the other player characters, right? Like, yeah, they come in with it with the ga- the idea that the game is a competition. And they can, they will take every advantage they can get. 
Um, and I was like, oh, that's a really that's a that's a really hard rule that makes it so like they still get to play along and they still get to make decisions that like the GM should like uh, should should agree with or, or, or build upon, but there is a limit to it. <laughs> huh. That's very interesting. I don't know that I have a lot to say other than I'm very... <laughs> uh, this is a theme with you. You were very worried about power gamers. <laughs> this has come up on other of our games podcasts. It, I don't think I'm worried you, about... <laughs> you absolutely are. You have brought this up multiple times of like... Uh, if if you're not careful, this is going to be completely unbalanced, and people are going to take advantage of this kind of kind of talk. That has absolutely come up multiple times, um, which is it, it very much I think the facilitator mindset, like you said, which like I just the GM mindset. That's interesting. I, yeah, I I really read this tr- truly in association with the the like solitaire solace share general rule. Which says these games are for each player to play alone. When you're done, share what you wrote with your crew. Keep it to yourself when necessary. I, I, for me, the thing I really came away from all of these interstitials feeling is, is that this is really more for the players. It, so like, I, it just didn't even occur to me that people would try and like power game these into something, um, which is just very interesting. Uh, yeah, <laughs> didn't didn't occur to me at all. Um, to, like I, I would, yeah, I would be interested. I mean, this is one of those I think will likely be somewhat rare instances where like one or the both of us could probably literally just reach out to Matthew and be like, "Hey, this is it. <laughs> what did you have in mind with this?" Um, yeah, but uh, yeah, that's really interesting. Like, I, I definitely read it more as the the thing I said of like doing this too often. I feel like is also going to would also mute the effectiveness of the games right like and would lead to your earlier concern of like how how do i do this correctly and like one answer to that is be hyper vigilant about all of the prompts and when and like the four occasional use i think really sidesteps that by going well you don't you don't need to be hyper vigilant right and like this is all optional anyway um but uh like doing it too often, I think could absolutely lead to sort of a weird burnout or just like, I don't know, like if you end up doing a lot of laundry, like how many times do you want to talk about your scoundrel doing something mundane? Um, Yeah. And to be clear, I don't, I suspect that the design intent is closer to what you said than what I said. And also to be clear, I, I genuinely am not worried about power gamers. <laughs> um, I like I said, I just have a history that gives them some space in my brain. Like when I'm reading a game to actually run it, I'm never like, "How I'm going? How am I going to undermine my players if they try to start fucking with me?" Uh, I'm, I'm like, "How are my players going to fuck with me, and how can I maximize that?" <laughs> well, that's a, that's actually kind of interesting. Do you think there's something about this show and the reading of the RPGs that makes you think more about yes. that? A hundred percent, yes. wonder why that is. It's <laughs> odd. Hmm. Um, and, and not that that wasn't odd, yeah. like a judge, like that was a, it was more like a <laughs> statement of like, I got you. <laughs> these are two things that I would not naturally connect, right, in my head. Um, so mm-hmm. like, I genuinely just mean like, oh, that like, that is an unusual sort of pairing of things. Like, it d- doesn't seem bad. I just, it's interesting. 
Anyway, okay. We all we all got our histories. We do, we do um, have our histories. That is absolutely true. <laughs> um. Um, very quickly, I just want to touch back on the haunting yeah. really quick because I I love that you brought that up as a as an example of another thing that could trip somebody up because in my brain I was like, a haunting would never trip anybody up. Because I love ghosts. <laughs> well, and, and, and this is the sort of thing. I mean, I think this actually speaks to the, the like the other thing of just like, if you come to this and you try to just run this and you aren't familiar with dusk, like you aren't familiar with Blades in the Dark, you're probably going to have a weird time. Absolutely, right? But mm-hmm. like, and like that weird time could be that things that I, as a person who know about blades would take a game in a completely different direction. Cause you just don't understand totally. the reference. But then when you get to like gondolas or when you get to like, there was the other thing in the trip, right? Which was the, I think it was the one that you ended up actually getting, which was about like something about the owner of the goats, the goats, the and goats their handlers, and... the name of the goats and their handlers. Yeah. And, and that's the sort of thing where like, if you don't know blades, it could go the opposite yeah. direction of like, I know blades. So like I'm it... like, oh, it's just a weird random mention of goats, I guess. I don't remember anything specific about goats. But for you, it's like, oh, God, are there specific goats I need to care about? Like, yes, th- that was exactly it. <laughs> which again, to me, just speaks to like the the this is. There is work involved if you're going to change these, right? If you're not going to use it for blades. Um, because of all the stuff you brought up of like, you know, you do this in the moment and you're doing this while you're doing other things and maybe you're pausing. But like, uh, and actually maybe maybe this is just a great way to say, why don't, why don't we talk about a few others, uh, a few other of the games? Because I think the thing that might be interesting to sort of do now is to show some of the other instances when you could end up being prompted for one of these games. Does that make sense? Yeah. I um can I do two sure. quick things actually? One is one more thing about the haunting. Uh, I just wanted to highlight the I love the beautiful disconnect between the prompt and how to finish the game. Um say more. Cuz the prompt is your your phone asks you to join a Wi-Fi network and the the uh to finish this game is when you're before your phone tells you that you have low battery. And there's just like this is a similar thing with the stranger, right? Um, the stranger starts with somebody you you making eye contact with somebody, and you have to finish it before they try to talk to you. Um, there is no inherent or like linear necessarily connection between when your phone asks you what Wi-Fi network you'd like to join, but you don't want to, and what your phone's battery is at. So this game could be a minute long. Mm-hmm. Or it could be days yeah. long. Yeah. <laughs> um, and like the stranger had, like some of them just don't have uh, end end concepts or like like here finish this game Correct. when yeah. ideas. But the stranger does have one. But if you make accidental eye contact with a stranger and then that stranger never talks to you, the game never technically has to finish. Yeah, I mean, at that <laughs> um, point, the only way to finish the game, right, is to just finish your writing. And that's just yeah. fully on you whenever um, you decide to be done. And that was that was like the shit I love is like the the way that that Balashek like structures like has this consistent sort of loose structure, but that plays within each thing. Like especially with the finishing the game thing was like one of the ones I noticed extremely uh it seemed extremely powerful to me. Yeah. I mean there there's there are things that are like th- there are some where it's like finish this game before. There's also ones where it's like 
there's nothing about when you finish it, but it's you do. There's the prompts, and then there's a specific real world action you're supposed to take, right? Um, and the way take care, yeah, of yourself, take care of yourself is is one of the ones I was thinking about sp- uh, specifically, which uh, I flipped away from it, unfortunately, uh, in my book. It, oh, I was going to read it. Oh, I've lost it completely. <laughs> uh, uh, it's the upkeep. Um, there it is. Do bol- yes. and then the yeah. Play this game only when you realize you need to take care of yourself. And then the prompt is: do both of the following in the order which is easiest for you at this moment. Take care of yourself. Write about your scoundrel taking care of themselves. Yeah. And that's one of the only ones that inverts the the that relationship. Also, right? It it tells you to take care of yourself before it tells you to write about the thing which is usually the opposite way around um but it also says you can do them in either action in either order which is important and then just to just to put a very quick pin in my my actual play things um the other thing i played was the boulevard where you uh while you're you play while you're sitting outside you finish before you get up to leave and you write about a street that, uh, in Duskfall that your scoundrel occasionally finds himself on. And I just wanted to bring this up because um, it does touch on what we were talking about before um, with with my two actual play things. This one I did set in the campaign, and I used one of the most recent characters and settings that I, I had played in, a Miss, a miss Drew, um, <laughs> uh, for instance. And I made up a street in the city of Lysisil that we had played in a while ago. And I made up a bunch of stuff that wasn't in the campaign itself, like it was not, it wasn't touched on anything, um, and it it worked much better. Hell yeah! <laughs> it's kind of as simple as that. That's what I wanted to say. Your <laughs> uh, friendly fan of opinionated systems here to say, turns out when you do things the systems wants you to, sometimes it works better. Sometimes. <laughs> sometimes. Anyway, what are the games you want to talk about? Uh, the Discourse uh, is one of the ones I really liked for a couple of reasons. So The Discourse is a game of unproductive conversation. Play this game only when you're stuck reading and or writing about a single topic of conversation on the internet. Uh, and yep. then the instructions are, close your feed. And then here's the part I love. If you are writing a post, do not save the draft. Yes. And then secondarily, <laughs> write an argument between two or more people that pass your scoundrel or that your scoundrel passed by on the street. Um I really loved uh I really loved the specificity of if you were writing a post, do not save the draft. Uh yeah. It's very, very good. Um I love that it's when you're so there's the the there's a little bit of value judgment right there where when you're stuck mm-hmm. reading and or writing about a single topic but it doesn't say like when you're reading about something inane right. when you're writing about something that's not useful it's like you could be stuck reading something that's very important and the game still says don't save your fucking yeah. draft <laughs> yeah yeah no i love it i, I love it very very much um Mm-hmm. And and I love what it. I mean, I also love that this is a great example too. Of uh, I feel like you're now you are in this mode in your head of arguing, right? You know this because you've been mm-hmm. reading about a yeah. single thing on the internet that you probably were starting to write a comment about, and so then you mm-hmm. can just immediately go into okay, what were these two people arguing about? <laughs> um, yes, <laughs> which is I think a a, a positive example of like the thing that the trip was trying to do that didn't work for you, right? Which is, it's like this, you are doing this thing that's like bad or 
mundane or just a, a thing that you're like, I just wish this wasn't how I was spending my time. Like that's often mm-hmm. sort of part of the prompts. Um, not all of them for sure. Right. Um, mm-hmm. But you're, you're doing that. Uh, and then uh, it, it sort of provides almost an outlet for sort of those feelings. Like I, I know just speaking personally, right? I'm a person who I used to, when I was younger, get excited about inter- internet arguments. They were fun. Mm-hmm. And as I've gotten older, <laughs> I find them exhausting and just the worst possible thing. They feel unproductive and terrible and nobody's paying attention to anyone, what anyone is actually saying. It's just the worst, right? And so the idea of like, okay, I could, I'm in this campaign. I like, I realize that I'm stuck in this thing. It's just like, it's a fun misdirection. I think that Matthew is providing, if that makes sense. Um, mm-hmm. and I think I just thought it was cool. And then I want to talk about a couple more. I don't know if I need to talk about all of them. Um, I want to talk about the indulgence. I liked the indulgence. The Indulgence, a game of reprieve. Play this game only when you're feeling stressed out. Uh, and then the instructions. Take as long as you need when playing this game. The scoundrels of Duskval all have some mechanism they use to help them deal with the stress of their line of work. Write about indulging your scoundrel's vice. And then some seeds. Choose using your dice or desires or ignore entirely, as always. Uh, how you met your vice purveyor. Someone you seem to run into a lot while indulging how it feels to have your stress melt away, what your scoundrel does after indulging, the dreams you have when you go to bed that night. And uh, the sixth seed is just Harold and Kumar go to White Castle. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Which uh, makes me laugh every time I read it. Um, I really like this one because, uh, similar, I think, to the one we were just talking about, the discourse, right, of like the redirection. This, this one stuck out to me because this one seemed like a, an interesting example that maybe we mostly don't need to talk about because we talked about the trip, right? But like, this one seemed really interesting to me because like, I as a person who know Blades know exactly what this is referencing, right? This is referencing a specific move that you can do, which is indulging your vice during downtime in between your like heists or whatever. And there are like mechanical repercussions. It's a way to get rid of stress, which if you have too much stress can turn into these long, long-term sort of uh, negative effects, et cetera, et cetera. But there's also... I think a very easy way to read this, which is like, you're doing hard work. How do you relax? Right. Mm-hmm. But like, again, given the conversation we had about the trip, I'm, I'm curious how you like, does this one feel different to you? Like, it, it, not that I want to put you back in the place of being stressed <laughs> it, out on a train. Right. But like, do you think this, like, I'm curious from your perspective, if there's like, if the specificity is lost for you here, whereas I have it because I know blades. Unfortunately, I've listened to Mariel. Oh, you of course know this because, of course, the friends at the table. <laughs> Correct. You're right. Yes. Um, for me, I think one of, the, I mean, like, even, I can't say entirely outside of that context, but even like trying to abstract myself from that context, context as much, the, the fact that this one doesn't have an ending thing makes it, makes it feel less stressful. Like, you know, uh, the trip fundamentally has a time limit and again as as i said one of the things i love about this right public transit can mean many things right it could mean a you know a 10 minute uh train ride like i took it can mean a four hour train Mm -hmm. ride uh the 10 minute train ride didn't help sure (laughs) Um, make it feel like i was able to get a whole little short story down um or character moment even 
Whereas the indulgence, yeah, it's it's explicitly like chill. Yeah. Which is just a different vibe. And I don't think either of them are better or worse necessarily. But in a moment of high stress, the one that says chill is much better than the one that says, get it out, get it out, get it out, get sure. it out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> the only other one I wanted to talk about was the the one I flagged was the gear. But I think the reason I wanted to talk about the gear was mostly because of stuff we've actually already touched on, right. which is, so the gear is a game of maintenance. Play this game only when you're waiting to administer care to an object, e.g. installing a software update. That that was yeah. so good. That's such a good e.g. It's so it's fucking so good. good. <laughs> and like, I, just, I love the language here a lot. Waiting to administer care to an object is like, has become uh-huh. one of my favorite things. I just love those words together a lot. Um, uh-huh. I think it's because I started using media object a lot, probably from range touch podcasts, but... But yeah, and so then the instructions for this are much simpler than some of the others in terms of there's no finish, right? There's no uh, do this before. There's no do this after. It is just write about how your scoundrel maintains a particular piece of their equipment. And then there are seeds. Um, And this this one I think stuck out for a couple of reasons. One, because it was different in terms of like, the, there's no there's no timing aspect to this, right? The instructions are not right about this before you have finished administering care to an object, right? Um, right. But I also thought it was interesting That's, because yeah. some of the seeds here are like actually way more specific to Duskfall than some of than some are. Like specifically mentioning spark craft and suit. Uh, how hard is it to get blue coat blood out of cotton? Like those are specific things from Blades in the Dark. Um, mm-hmm. And I thought that. I just thought that combo was kind of interesting. Um, is equipment maintenance a a or a mechanic in place? So it it uh, it is not that you maintain your equipment exactly. I believe you can. Um, there are like things that you can end up like increasing the. There is a way to increase the like quality level essentially of objects, and but the main thing is it's an inventory system, mm. and so. Uh, for folks who've listened to Friends at the Table, when they play things that are Blades in the Dark, right, or Blades in the Dark inspired, often before they go on a mission, they have to declare a weight. And that weight tells yes. them how much right. they can bring. And a lot of the, a lot of Blades in the Dark, the game, is is about not planning ahead too much, but instead trying mm-hmm. to set yourself up for situations where you can, for instance, flash back to how clever your character was. And mm-hmm. um, and so oftentimes what people do is not maintain specific pieces oh. of equipment, but they have like a pool of things and they can get it just in time. Right. Um, but so it's not like equipment maintenance, That's but thinking cool. about what you're bringing and when you're bringing it, right? And this is this is the thing. There there are some like very funny moments in some of the earlier episodes in seasons where people new to Blades in the Dark style games are there, where it's like, okay, I'm medium, and they start listing stuff off, and Austin's like, no, 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 I don't, I don't stop marking anything. <laughs> like, you just need to tell me how many spaces you have, and then you don't have to plan it all ahead. You can basically just declare it. And some of those declarations we'll are that, like, yeah. well, I have a thing where I could spend one of my slots and get, like, fine fake papers or whatever, and all you right. might need to do is spend a stress and be able to go like, okay, well, I reached out to a guard and got some information, and now I have really good, solid, fake papers that are going to get us in, right? 
this now immediately i this i can see exactly how this hooks into the flashback mm-hmm. system it's yeah. incredible mm-hmm. right you think about the solitaire versus solitaire thing right this is maybe one of those ones that you do by yourself you don't talk to anybody about it but then you are going to pull a flashback to get a certain item and the gm's like well i don't know that seems like pretty unlikely that you would have done that and you go i actually have a little short story sure. written. yeah <laughs> um, I, uh, I I explicitly took time to uh, to sharpen my knives because it was me time, uh, and so I think I should get I should get these like these fine knives for one stress rather than two. Um, that that makes me that that is a very exciting moment to me in terms of just like systems meshing together. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and I mean I, I think like it's worth saying right anything like that would end up you would just end up house ruling stuff, right? Because that's not included totally. in Duskfall Interstitials and is definitely not included in Blades, right? But even just mm-hmm. the the uh, the discourse, right? Like, write about an argument your scoundrel heard. If you're in the middle of a campaign, like, it to- I could totally see exactly the sort of thing that you just described happening, right? Which is somebody writes a little thing about an argument they heard, and it's an idea for a thing that might change how people understand a thing going on in the world. And then you bring it up in play and go like, okay, so I was doing the interstitials and I did the discourse and I had this idea, mm-hmm. right? And like, it just leads to the the stuff that I think is co- coolest about tabletop play, which is talking to each, talking to each other about stuff, right? And sharing <laughs> ideas and collaboratively building things. Um, Right. So, so does that mean that this isn't actually a solo role playing game? Does it mean Does it mean that it's not a solo role playing game? Yeah. Well, it's I. You do it it's by not, yourself. It, but I mean, I would say it's context. not a solo role playing game. It's a it's a solo mostly game, uh, <laughs> right? But like, it's the the solid share is like yeah, of course. Like, the entire premise of these is that like they almost don't make sense to play without some sort of ongoing thing, right? Even if that ongoing thing is you telling a story in your head about the equivalent of like a campaign, but like these work because they feed into something larger, right? And they're allowing you to like sort of uh, flesh out different parts that probably wouldn't come up during play because of what we just talked about, for instance, about inventory stuff. There's not going to be a normal thing just about like maintaining your equipment in most Blades games because that's just not a thing that it is interested in. But it feeds into the way you think about equipment, the way you can improve equipment, what you bring, how you bring it, how flashbacks work. Um, Which I think is cool. Yeah. Cool. Me too. Um, So I said I had some questions. We've actually touched on most of the stuff. I I was mostly... I think the only thing left was like, I I, I don't know if it's even worth having the conversation of just like... I was really struck yesterday when I was, I I reread both things yesterday and I was really struck yesterday, just like there are ways in which these games are very similar in terms of what they're doing, right? At a a sort of high level, which is uh, providing you some prompts to sort of help you sort of construct a narrative, right? Um, But they're doing it like pretty differently when you get into the details and they feel very different in terms of what they're interested in. And I ended up re- feeling like they're actually doing like 
pretty drastically different things, right? <laughs> Which is like maybe an obvious thing. They're two very different games by two different designers. But like I found I, I found it interesting to think about like what people who maybe are not as familiar with sort of these things or people who uh, are maybe more skeptical in the ways that I used to be about solo RPGs, like, oh, these are both just like prompt focus things or whatever, right? But I, I feel like they actually, mm -hmm. they feel pretty different and they feel like they're trying to do very different things. And I could say more about what I think those things are, but I was curious if that rings true for you, I guess. Sure. You know, as the as the resident um you can do anything you want with whatever mm -hmm. you want mm -hmm. person here. Um, you, you can try to do very similar things with these games, right? Um, like I said, like, um, <laughs> at the time of Island Demeter season one, I wasn't thinking of the fact that I was trying to build out Island Demeter into a sort of a shared universe, but that's what I took it to in Island Demeter season two. And part of that shared universe, right, is the, is the two, Alone Among the Stars games. Um, Alone Among the Stars is not a a game that is meant to be fed into other games as it is written in the way that Duskfall Interstitials is explicitly a game that is meant to be fed into another game as it is written. Um, and you could try to do both well, the opposites, right? You could try to make Alone Among the Stars a game that is a setup for a broad world. You could try to make Dustfall Interstitials a purely just solo RPG that you do journaling with, um, and I don't think either of them work quite as well if you if you try to do that. So, which is to say, I I think I agree with you. They are doing different things, and they they succeed in ex in some very similar ways, but largely in in very different contexts. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Any other thoughts? <laughs> You can still do whatever you want with it, whatever. Yes, you can. I mean, you can always ignore things as printed in books. That is true. Um, we agree on this for sure. Uh, uh, we just have different affective uh, orientations toward mm -hmm. them. It's true. Cool. Well, what are we doing next? Um, would you like to click on a definition? Oh, okay. Oh, there's three links. Okay. I'm clicking three the first links. one. First one's I'm just looking a at Twitter. Because it's te technically a thread. Sorry, I brought you back to Twitter. Okay. Um, okay. John R. Yep. Arnes uh, taps Mike. The best descriptive term I've come up with for the current crop of indie-ish, story-ish, micro-ish games, like most of what is flooding into itch right now, is lyric. Like lyric poetry or lyric painting. With overlap, but in the main dis distinct from what I call the post-OSR. We are going to talk about lyric games. So we've got a little thread by John mm -hmm. Harness, who was the other um, uh, organizer of the uh, Sad Mecca Jam, uh, as, as it happens. Oh, he's from Chicago. Um, and then... Oh. Mm, he actually lives not that far from me. Uh, that tweet... <laughs> that tweet is from October, 20, uh, October 16th, 2019. Um, if you click on an abstract... Okay. Uh, sorry, correct. Have... He actually lives far south. I got confused about the names of uh, neighborhoods. That's okay. Oh, this is a, this <laughs> is an academic essay. Uh, it is a it is a two page abstract for an academic essay. Yes, um, but it is there. Uh, it is lyric games genealogy of an online physical game scene by Evan Torner, who is uh, uh, 
assistant professor, I think, at the uh, University of Cincinnati. Okay. Uh, so this is a genealogy of lyric okay. games. So we've got the initial definition mm-hmm. from Twitter, an abstract that is a genealogy, and then if you click on a system mm-hmm. question mark, we've got mm. mm-hmm. GURPS, the treachery of mm-hmm. images. <laughs> um, this is what I was proposing as uh, as the other possible thing to do last time, and I decided that I would like to still do it, um, but to do it with a little uh, context okay. uh, in terms of, of uh, the original definition and, uh, and a, a very brief genealogy. Um, this is... Uh, <laughs> GURPS, in this case, GURPS, for those who don't know, is a, is a, is a prominent system. It's the, like, the general universal role-playing system or some bullshit like that. Um, uh, in for Riverhouse Games, it, it stands for Games Unruly Rending Piping Sense... It's Game Design Anti-Advice by Riverhouse Games. It's about a a 10-ish page zine um, that takes takes lyrics games and the manifesto and mashes them together in a very interesting way. Cool. I think they're all going to be... I think it's going to be a fun read. Um, And (laughs) part of the reason I mentioned up top that I hadn't ever, I don't think, responded to one of your game choices with with a... um, with a theory choice is because I did that did. this time. This is yeah. This is extremely me being like yeah. Let's let's talk about the specific lyric games subset of role play, of solo role playing games because um, it's a thing I'm interested in. We've we've covered you know we've covered some large texts from story games or the Forge. We've covered the large texts from the OSR lyric games. Another sort of scene community design movement that I I found very interesting over the last few years. Uh, that I that I think we should have context yeah. for. Um, and as a reminder to folks who may not remember, we talked about lyric games a couple times. I think the 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 mm-hmm. one that is very easy to share that explains them at a high level is "We Are But Worms," uh, a one word yes. RPG by Riverhouse Games, yes. uh, in which there is a single page of text, and it is the word "rive." Mm-hmm. Period. Yep. Um, Cool. I'm excited. Uh, this sounds fun. Are we reading the? Are we just reading the abstract, or are we reading the full the full thing? For I believe the 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 abstract is oh, the full okay. thing. I I was looking for like an actual paper, um, but it doesn't appear that hmm. there is one. Um, I think it was it was a thing that was. I believe yeah, it was supposed to be presented at Digra 2020. 2020 happened. Uh, so i don't i don't i think it might have been just like here's the abstract and we'll give the talk and then eventually there will be a paper uh as far as i can tell there has been no paper as Hmm. such okay um but i've read through the abstract and it's really interesting there's some citations that i that i followed down the hole and found some other stuff to be interested in we're going to talk about modernism wow how exciting literary modernism we're going to talk about Yoko Ono. Oh, that's fun. fun. I like talking about Yoko Ono, actually. Yeah. Um, cool. Yeah. Awesome. Okay. Uh, well, listeners, dear listeners, that's what we're going to talk about next episode. Before we let everybody go, B, where can people find you on the internet? Yeah. Thanks for hanging in there for this one. It turns out when we do multiple systems, we go long sometimes and have uh, have difficult recordings. <laughs> I like to make things complicated. Uh it was fun. Um, I I like this one a lot more than the other yeah. one. <laughs> yeah. 
Uh, and I like that one quite a bit. Uh, so you can find me on the internet. I'm at bgabberol on Twitter. Sweet. And you can find me on the internet, uh, instagram.com slash bakery slash workshop. Three words all spelled out, all lowercase. Cool. Well, thanks, everybody, for listening. Hell yeah. And we'll see you next time. Yes. See ya on a second or a fourth week of a month, presumably. Bye. (laughs) Bye.